try to be a help to you guys. Really, truly, I have a, a great desire to be a help to you guys, and it's, it's called the man that God uses, the man or the woman that God uses, because in this day and age, uh, man, people, people need to see some Christians just doing right. And um, it, it don't take much. God is, wants to use you, and he will use you. Um, and you can be an effective witness, an effective minister. You can be an effective Christian for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you right now from the text in Joshua chapter 1. Let's go ahead and turn over to Joshua chapter 1. I love this book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 and Jeremiah chapter 1. I, I, get, I get such a thrill every time I read those two books because Joshua is just introducing a man. And he's, he's preaching to him. He's preaching to Joshua in the first chapter in the book of Jeremiah. He's preaching to Jeremiah in the first chapter. And he's... he's He's getting them ready. And what I really like about Joshua is that he doesn't pull any punches. He just tells them like it is. He says, Joshua, Joshua, now I'm going to throw the ball to you. It's up to you what you decide to do with it. Same with Jeremiah. He's like, before, before he said, I knew you in your mother's womb. He says, before you even came out of your mama's belly, he's like, I knew you and I had plans for you. Preaching to Jeremiah. And he's just like, it's so humbling to, to know that God has got everything under control and and he uses these two men specifically but we're gonna we're gonna hone in on Joshua here tonight in Joshua chapter one and I'm gonna move on let's let's read the first few verses here we'll open up in a word of prayer and we'll get into this message Joshua chapter one the Bible says here in verse number one now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun Moses' minister saying Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot should tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Brother Ben Long, could I have you pray for the sermon this, this evening? Thank you, brother. 
Church, I just want to tell you unashamedly and maybe almost selfishly, I want to be used by God. I do. I've got one short life to live, and if I could just be a vessel in my maker's hands, man, that, that just thrills my soul. You know, there, there's sometimes there's seasons of life, so to speak, where we're like, we're hitting on all eight, right? We're, we're feeling spiritual, we're acting spiritual, we're being spiritual, we're praying all spiritual. And man, God uses us. And I love those times of life. And other times you're just being a Christian. Just doing what you know to do as a God-fearing Christian. Doing your prayers, reading your Bible trying to be faithful, just doing everything you know to do. And then God swoops down and you got no other intention, no motive. You just, Lord, here am I. And God comes into your life and just says, hey, I want to use you to minister to this person. Or, hey, maybe we'll see a soul saved today. Or, hey, maybe you can just lift up some praises to me in church and just bring me a little bit of glory. And God gives us a boost down life's tiresome road and encourages us. Matter of fact, he uses us. But can I tell you, In the Christian life, that's typically about 1% of the battle, the highs, the times where we're feeling effectively used by God, and the other 99% of the time we're just, we're struggling, aren't we, church? We're just toiling, just laboring, just wiping babies' bottoms and feeding kids, and babe, cut me a little slack. I do some of that. (laughs) And we're just doing the best we can in most times feeling less than adequate to be used by the Lord. That's 99% of the Christian life, is just trying to figure out how to stay faithful. Is it not, church? The majority of the Christian life is a roller coaster ride. But what keeps you coming back? Why do we keep doing this thing? I'll tell you why I keep doing it. Because the 1%, the 1% is worth it to me. The 1% of the Christian high is, is so worth it to me. Better than any drug could ever get you. Better than any bottle could ever bring you. It's, it's so good and it's so powerful and it's so effective and it's so calming. And it's so peaceful. I want to be used by God because that 1%, man, sometimes it just mm, feels like nothing can hold you back. And I love those mountaintop experiences. I love them. It puts a calm deep down in my soul that I just cannot understand. But when I'm there, it is so perfect. It's so personal. It's better than any love you could ever feel from a human being. It is God's almighty hand just saying, hey, I still got you. Hey, I still want to use you. Christian, the 1% is worth it. And I'm here to tell you this evening, we have come too far to quit. And to be quite honest with you, I'm telling you right now, you cannot afford to quit. You just, you can't afford to quit. I know a man, a born-again man, and uh, I know him quite well, and he's, he's very well-to-do. He holds two professions. Honestly, I, I look up to the man in many aspects of the job because he's just a professional at what he does. Born again. I'm almost positive of it. Born again. You know what he told me not that long ago, just a couple weeks ago, we had this conversation. He says, hey man, you're the only one knocking. He gave it all up. He says, I, I, I gave it all up. I pushed it all back to God and I said, I want nothing to do with it. This guy was a youth pastor, a youth group leader of some sort. He was, he was actually working in his church, I assume, being used of God. Now he's grown. He's doing well for himself. And you know what he said got him out was the hypocrites in the church. Pretty weak excuse if you ask me, but he's out. He's out. And he said, Dan, you're the only one knocking, man. I said, well... 
Sorry to say, man, but I ain't going to quit knocking. Someone's got to love you. Now, I don't know if your mommy don't love you. I don't know if your daddy don't love you, but someone's got to love you, man. And you know what he said to me? Yeah, this is why you can't afford to quit, Christian. A couple weeks ago, he went to, and, and, and uh, you'll pardon my, um, you'll understand. He went to a satanic temple worship festival in Detroit or something. I don't know. Please don't tell me if you know, because I'd be suspicious. And I'm telling you what, the things that came out of his mouth as he openly spoke of this place that he went to were so vile. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, people. Child sacrifice is not out of the picture. It's all for play. It's all for play. It's all for play. It's all pretend. It's all pretend. Or is it? Or is it? I said, you really think that was a good idea, man? It's a big world out there, Dan. <laughs> Got to see what's out there, don't you? Hey, Christian, you can't afford to quit. You know why? Because it's a big world out there. Real big world out there. Man, my heart breaks for him. The only, the only, the only, the only in I found in this man's life, and Christians, you need, to be, you need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. The only in I found in this guy's life is the fact that if he's eternally secured, he's got a family that's going to burn in a lake of fire forever. And he actually knows this. So his cop-out is, I gave it all back. Salvation, grace, I gave it all back. I want nothing to do with it. So now I'm not going to heaven, so he thinks. So now he's content with watching his family run his life. You can't afford to quit, Christian. You ever go through that mental transaction just... Giving it all back to God. Giving it all up. I'll take you here into the deep end for just a second, if you don't mind. You ever just go through that process in your mind of what it would be like to just get rid of X, Y, and Z? What would it be like to just, you know, grass is greener on the other side? Push it all back. Your church. Your Christianity. Your family. Your spouse. Just, it's about time I'm happy. Who's going to worry about me? I want to be happy. You ever mentally just unload everything and just put it all out, 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 on, put it all out on the table and just try to understand, like, well, okay, this person's going to be hurt if I do this, but, you know, the benefit is X, Y, and Z. And if I do this, then, well, I think I can make it work. Christian, I promise you, I promise you, you will be that miserable wretch you once were. Miserable, despicable, contemptible, you'll be worthless. You will be a worthless Christian, and your life will be ruined. You know what? Can I just tell you, I've been there. I'm not being hard on you, I've been there. I've been through that process. You know what? Those thoughts are straight out of the pit of hell. And I've been there. So I'm not being hard on you. But there's a reality to that thing that you start reasoning within yourself before you know you'll be acting on it. Maybe not to the extent that you had planned on, but, you know, it's little foxes. 
spoil the vine. Just the little things, little here, little there. You need to be careful, Christians. You need to be careful, Christians. You see, the problem is that you forgot what it feels like to be used by God. You just forgot. You don't know what it's like to have that presence, that that feeling of usefulness, that feeling of fullness, that peace that passeth all understanding. Now, our man Joshua here in the story, he's just thrown stage center in the middle of Israel. Moses, the old man, is dead. Joshua's thrown stage center spotlights on him. I mean, I don't know why the Lord gave me this message, this, this specific thing, but I happen to think that maybe the spotlight is on some of you and you've got some very important decisions to make, just like our man here in the text. Now, what you do with those decisions, I know how people react under pressure. I know how people react when all eyes are on them. You get uncomfortable, you get nervous, you get quick to act. And you make a mistake. Joshua here is stage center. God wants something out of him just like God wants something out of you this evening. He wants to use you, Christian. He doesn't want you to throw your life in the gutter. He doesn't want you to ruin what you've already established. Though what you have may not be perfect, it can be repaired. It can be fixed, it can be salvaged, it can be taped, duct taped, flex sealed, it can be all put back together again. I don't know, whatever you use. Because that's the God I serve. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but that's, that's the God I find when I read and understand about my Savior. He's a great role model. And by he, I mean Joshua, and by he, I mean Jesus Christ. Those two names are synonymous. It means Jehovah is salvation. Joshua is one of the greatest types of the Lord Jesus Christ in your whole entire Bible. He's a great role model all throughout the Bible. And you ask, why is that important? Well, because I hate watching good men and women fall. And if we can get a little bit of help out of this story, this passage, Joshua's life, I'm going to move on here pretty quickly. The first point is the longest. The second two, I'll breeze right through. I want to see you get a little bit of help here tonight, Christians. I want us all to be used by God because it will encourage you. And it will convince you. It will convince you that it's worth it. That 1% is worth it. I want to try to help you with that tonight. Joshua gets convinced in this chapter. And and as a result of that, the whole nation of Israel gets convinced in this chapter. You want to be used by God? We're going to use Joshua to see how we can be used by God. The first point I want to bring to your attention is in verses 8 and 9. God sets the priorities. God sets the priorities. Verse 8, let's read it here in the Bible. Joshua chapter 1, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know what we're going to need to do if we're going to be effective for God? We're going to need to let God establish our priorities. He's got to be the one. Got two priorities you'll find in this chapter for you. I got the Bible and I see preaching. We got the words of God and we got the preaching of the words of God. It's really not that difficult. 
Those are the things that God put in order to keep us on track in this Christian life. This book must be your priority. The foundation of the, your relationship with Jesus Christ is in the words of God. You hear it, you can repeat it just like it's, just like it's, uh, you know, just like it's the back of your hand. The most important thing in your life is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me help you just dial that thing in real quick here. You know, it's, it's not about going to the place called heaven. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven. Man, I, 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 that's why I do this thing. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. That's why I want to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to heaven. I'm going to be there for an eternity, but it's not about going to the place called heaven. It's about going to meet the one who's in charge of it. You get your mind around that, Christian, you do yourself well in this life, because if it's all just about going to heaven, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm just going to be there. No more tears, no more sadness, no more disease. You're going to fall. What I want to try to help you do is get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Get your eyes on the one who you're going to meet face to face when you enter into that place called heaven. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will see him one day if you're born again. You'll see him and you'll look him in the face and you'll be like, Well, Lord, Lord, I'm here. Glad to see me. I hope, right? (laughs) I made it. Yeah, I I see you, but but move aside. There's someone else back there. It's It's the old lady that threw in her two mites. I want to deal with her. I'll deal with you a little bit later. What are you doing for God today that's going to make him pleased when you see him face to face? You in the book, Christian? It's the foundation for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 8, how do you observe it? You see it in the text? How do you observe it if you don't read it? How do you prosper if you don't practice it. You see, you don't get verse 8 and, and uh, you don't get uh, verse 8 in that first part of uh, verse 9 if you don't adhere to, I'm sorry, you don't get the last part of verse 8 and the first part of verse 9 if you don't adhere to the meditation and the practice. You don't get the prosper. You don't get the courage. You don't get the strength unless you put it in. The entrance of thy word giveth light. You know what the light does for you? The entrance of thy word allows you to see things as they really are in this life. Without this book, I'm just a blind man. I'm just a blind man. I'd be running into trouble left and right. The entrance of thy word giveth light, and we're to be guided by the Holy Ghost, the God that's seen over in John chapter 14. I'm going to read it to you just for the sake of time. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Do you love him? He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. I'll just keep it at that. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The psalmist writes, Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Easily offended Christian? No peace Christian? Do you love his book? It'll help you just water off a duck's back. We need peace, Christians. I need peace. 
You know why? Because I got to go out into a wicked world. And I just heard a cuss word shout from the, from the sidewalk as I was sitting in my car looking over these notes. Or I'm going out into this wicked, boom and echoing off the side of the church. I don't know if any of you heard it. We're going out into that world just in a few short moments. We need help. The only help you're going to find is if you get in this book. You know what else we need? We need preaching. You know why? Because Joshua needed preaching. This whole passage here, this whole discourse, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua's getting preached at. Look with me, if you would, verse, uh, verse 1 back in Joshua 1. Now after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, and this begins the start of the discourse. And you know what Joshua does? I imagine, I just put myself in this passage. Yes, sir. I'll do my best, sir. I understand. You got it. I'll, I'll try. I, he puts himself, he puts himself at the end of the barrel and he says, yep, that's me. Yeah, that preaches for me. I needed that. That's helping. God always works on the man before the man can deliver the message. And Joshua does just that effectively. At the end of this story, in the whole book of Joshua, he delivers, man. He delivers. Because he was first willing to get some rebuke, some exhortation, some help. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. (laughs) Couldn't Joshua just been like, a little rough, Lord? Moses, he's dead? Yeah, I know. I've just been mourning him the last 30 days. Now you want me to get up and go arise and go over this Jordan? Like, maybe next week, God, like, do I have any say in this matter? You know, preaching sometimes ruffles your feathers. Preaching sometimes isn't what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Moses is dead. God, you couldn't have found a little bit nicer way to say it. (laughs) Right? You know, in my line of work, we're... We're taught these things. How do we say we're working, we're working in the field and we've got to make a pronouncement in the field and someone's loved one is just passed on. You know what we've got to do? You know what we've been trained to do? Go to that family member, look them straight in the face and say, I am extremely sorry. We've done all we could, but your family member is dead. They're dead. Not that second part, but they're dead. Not that they slipped away or they've moved on or your loved one passed. I'm, I'm really sorry. No, they're, they're dead. Hard, isn't it? It's real hard. Sometimes preaching hits us right between the eyes, just like a message like that. And it's not what you want to hear, but you know what you do best when you hear it straight and you hear it direct, maybe a little abrasive. But that's how God saw fit to talk to his people. Because there's a wicked world that's ten times more, a million times more amplified than the preacher is. And they're jamming stuff down your throat left and right. And you condone some of it. Christians, we need preaching. I'm so thankful we've got a pastor that's faithful to the books, faithful to his profession, so to speak, faithful to his calling. Man, I'm so glad. we got such a good thing. We're... For all you folks who are new here, my name's Dan. I'm not the pastor. (laughs) 
You're in a lighthouse of truth. You're in a place where you get fed the Bible day in and day out, service after service, week after week. I've been here maybe 11 to 12 years, and year after year, you're going to hear it straight from the man that stands in this pulpit because he loves you, and he cares for you, and he cares for your family, and he wants to see you get used by God. What an amazing thing. And he's not going to pull any punches. Praise the Lord, brother. We got it so good. We're spoiled little brats. And I am so thankful. Right? Like it's not just sugar after sugar after lollipop. It's, hey, today we're getting a little meat. Now I'll put a little sugar sauce on that, a little glaze, maybe a little honey. I don't know what you guys do with all that stuff. But my wife started incorporating lavender in our in our meats, and it mm, puts out sweetness in there, man. It's delicious. Backstrap tomorrow. <laughs> but here's the deal. We just need to learn to do what we're told. You know why? Because it's going to help you. The preaching is intended to help you. When we do what we're told, we will be successful. We will prosper. I was called upon to do something that I have never even thought of doing in a, in, a, in, a, in a lifetime. And I had a day and a half to prepare to preach a funeral message, and I was shaking in my boots. You know what I did? Got on my face and prayed to God. And then you know what I did? <laughs> Preacher, I need help. <laughs> and you know what transpired in that? It was in the office. You know what transpired in that office is I, like... He told me some things to help me. And you know, my first reaction was, can I have an outline, please? Like, I got a day. I got like half a day now. (laughs) Absolutely not. This is you, man. You're on your own. Figure it out. No, he didn't just say figure it out. He said, X, Y, Z. This will help you. This will help you. And in preparation, do this, this, and this. And you know what I did? Even though on a time crunch, I did this, this, and this. And you know what it did? I believe it helped me to effectively minister to people that were mourning over the death of a loved one. Now, that was not me. That was me just trying to be obedient to the voice of God that God used through a man. A man. He's human. It's just a man. Can you humble yourself to put yourself in a position where God could use you as a man? Full of the spirit of truth. Full of the the spirit of grace. We need to learn to just follow. You know why? Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We've all gone astray. You know what it takes to lead Christian? Like Joshua here in this passage, it takes courage. But you know what it takes to follow? It takes courage. It takes courage to follow. I want to be a professional follower of the right things. Professional. I try to be professional in my job. I want to be professional at whatever I can do, if it pleases him. Courage is the quality of mind which enables men to encounter dangers and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. It's the quality of mind. It's up here. It's the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous with bold as a lion. 
It's a quality of mind. And it's inside of you. It's courage. You know what our youth, you know what some of us think courage is? Resisting authority. That's what our children are being brainwashed to think. Courage in this day and age is resisting authority. It's my way. It's what I want. It's what brings me happiness. I'm going to step out and be me. I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do. Courage, huh? It's all about being different, is it? You just be a Christian, I promise you, you will be different. And that sort of difference is going to take courage. Turn over with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm sick of resisting God. Tired of it. My flesh does it naturally. I don't call that courage. I call that cowardice. I can't even do the most simplest of things he calls me to do sometimes. Thank you, brother. Let's see an example in our Savior, Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. We're talking about examples tonight, church. Found in Joshua and here found in Jesus. Leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. When he's reviled, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not. Now, that's easy preaching, but that's hard living. Vengeance is mine. We put our name in the past. It's vengeance is mine. I will repay. Ah, you forgot the last part of that verse. Saith the Lord. Easy preaching, hard living. Jesus Christ made himself an example, laid down his life, his opinion, Lay down everything that made him a man. Even though he's as strong as an ox. Laid it all down and said, God, not my will, but thine be done. That's courage. That's real courage. Bump over with me, if you would, just verse 13 in the same passage. 1 Peter 2, 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king, a supreme, or unto governors. Submit. Now, we don't like that word submit. That means to come under, to be put under, to submit to. And here he's using an example of governmental authority. People that have the rule over us. People that actually look out for our well-being, whether or not you think they are or not. You know what I try to do in my brain? You know, this, whole, this world puts so much pressure on you that cops are, you know, forgive me for the saying, but cops are pigs. I hate that. I hate that saying. Every time I see a cop, I said, man, thank God he's sitting there. Oh, thank God he's sitting there. Because if someone gets in a wreck, or God forbid I get in a wreck a minute down the road, he's going to be there pretty quick. Thank God he's sitting there, maybe looking out for idiots and bozos. I, yeah, take it or leave it. But I hate the influence this world is putting on us, putting on first responders, 
putting on the government. Christian, you're still called to submit yourself to this book. Submit yourself to that man, Jesus Christ, and submit yourself to what he is telling us to do, whether you like it or not. It'll please God. It'll please God. Back to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to speed through these last two points. Verse 10, the Bible says this, Joshua 1.10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Joshua's getting ready to preach here, Pass through the host, command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land, Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass over before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sunrising. Y'all understand the story. Joshua is being commanded to take the nation of Israel over the Jordan River. A spiritual transaction. Yes, a physical in the passage, but a spiritual transaction that takes place in a Christian's life when they accept Jesus Christ as their personal salvation and say, God, I don't have any of the answers. I understand that I actually have no answers and I'm just a wicked sinner and I need you to save my soul. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth us from all sin. And if you call on his name and confess him, as the Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul, and you ask Him, Lord, forgive me for being such an idiot. Don't forgive me for X, Y, and Z sin. Lord, forgive me for not trusting in You sooner, God. I humbly come to You because I understand that I don't have any of the answers. Salvation is in You and You alone. You died on that cross for me. You shed Your blood for me. You can get saved. Joshua was preaching to these men Pick up your battle array. Pick up your sword. Pick up your shield. Put on your arm and we're going. Within three days, get yourself ready. It's a quality of mind. It's a quality of mind that's going to help carry these men through and conquer what they need to conquer. And there's two and a half tribes that are going to go over to that, go across that Jordan and they're going to come back and plant themselves back where Moses gave them a land back on the east side of Jordan. And that's where they're going to remain. But God says, hey, you made a promise. You made a promise that you're going to come with us you're going to help us. Now it's time you stay, good, you, you stay good to your word. You know what it's the preacher's job to do? To persuade you to stay good to your word. Persuade you. To encourage you. To, to enforce by frequent repetition. To urge on the mind. Say, hey, I said I was going to do this many chapters a day. I said I was going to be faithful to come to church every possible moment I can. I'm going to do everything I can do. And we fall and we screw up. And the preacher's going to say, get back up. Fight's not over. Get back up. We're just getting started. Get back up, Christian. We need to get back up. I want to be used by God. I need to get back up. I don't always need to stay up. I can't always stay up. I'm a weak, pathetic human being. I just need to get back up. The preacher's job is to persuade you. Persuade you to follow your Savior willingly. 
and persuade you to fight? Could you just join in fighting in the battle of prayer for your brethren? Some are strong. Some aren't so strong. Some are carrying heavy loads. Some are just doing the best they can with what they got. We need to pray for the brethren. We need to pray for them charging over there in war, hoping for a victory, trusting in the promises of God, understanding and knowing, knowing maybe a little bit of doubt just because they're human. God said he's going to give it to us. God will do it. God will do it. He's good on it. He's good on it. He's good for it. He's good for it. You know, I'm not not talking about being charismatic here. I'm talking about you can pray the promises of God into your life and trust that he will answer you. He will answer you. Maybe not in your timing. Maybe not in your will. But God will answer you. Can you join me in fighting with the brethren in the battle of prayer? Remember, it's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. See that in verse 13. But last point, God is a man of principle. And I want to ask you two questions tonight. Is it God's man? And is it God's message? It's seen in verses 16 through 18. Joshua 1, 16, and the answer Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us. This is the two and a half tribes. They're, they're speaking back to Joshua. All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses and all things, so will be hearkened unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Joshua, you got our attention. You're God's man. We understand that God, Moses, put his hand on you back in the last chapter, Deuteronomy 34, 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses' last final parting gift for Joshua was the fact that he passed that spiritual baton onto him and said, you're up. Just like David couldn't build that temple. He passed the baton onto his son Solomon and said, hey, you're up. Passing off that double portion, so to speak. God is a man of principle. And if you can answer in your heart, yeah, that's truth. I might not like it. I'll go back and see if God speaks to me again. And you know what I've been encouraged to see is that a lot of folks are coming back. New people have been coming back, getting help. Hopefully getting some questions answered. Hopefully getting a little comfort and peace in their soul. God is just that. He's a God of principle. He's not here to steer you wrong. He's not here to confuse you. He's not here to make you something more than you already are. He's here to meet you in the condition that you walked in here. And slowly but surely help you pick yourself up. Understanding that it's going to take work. Understanding that it's going to take faithfulness. And he'll do it again and again and again. He's a man of principle. Joshua's proved himself. But I'm telling you what, church, I do not want to miss an opportunity. Gad, Manasseh, 
and the Reubenites, they knew their head was on the line here. If you go back over to uh, the book of Numbers where the first charge is given to them to, hey, you can have this land, but if you don't come help us conquer our land first, he says, be sure your sin will find you out. Whoa. They're under the gun. And you know what I think they knew? God is good on his word. I want to stay true to the truth giver. I want to stay true to the one who's brought me this far already. Because I know I can screw all this up real, real quick. I can screw up my family. No problem. No problem. We need some help. And you know what you can get from a pastor who's in tune with the Lord? Like Joshua here, you can get some help. He could answer their questions. He could direct them to the right places. He could open up the words of God and show you that here's where you get your help. This isn't a complicated message this evening, folks. But we need to listen. We need to listen to God. We need to listen to our preacher. Because when I had some questions in a dire strait, there went a point in time in my life when it just went from Mike to pastor. And that's my pastor. That's not Mike. That's my pastor. Thank God he gives us good examples like Joshua and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to bring to our mind, to bring to our attention that we can still be used today if we get the right help. God used one man to stir up the nation of Israel and in this chapter, quite honestly, it seems effortless. God commands the man Joshua. Joshua commands the people Israel. And the people do what is expected of them. Sort of like your average day Bible-believing crowd, right? (laughs) That was a joke. We don't all just break out in revival every time the preacher says, Thus saith the Lord, be sure your sin will find you out. No, that's not really how he comes across. He says, hey, I want to help you, but you got to listen. The nation of Israel listened. So what do we do about the fact that some people don't listen? Might I suggest you just take responsibility for you. Take responsibility for you, your family, your unit. Take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. Not being the Holy Ghost in other people's lives. And just give the rest back to God. God, I'm doing what I know to do. Not prodding in other people's business not being a gossip, not trying to get in the way. Just want to be used. I just want to be used. What is this thing worth to you, Christian? What is the Christian life worth to you? What is what you have right now worth to you? Joshua sacrificed everything he had to be where he was. And it took courage. Thinking of trading it all in? Like I mentioned? I hope not. I I prayerfully and desperately hope not. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see you shipwreck what God is doing. Because what is going on can be fixed. What is going on can be saved. What is going on can be salvaged. And one day soon the nation of Israel is going to 
be picking up their swords, picking up their armor, and they're going to be walking over that Jordan River and going into what the, what the Bible says is a place of spiritual and physical rest. Just a few more short days, Christian. Three days here for the nation of Israel. Just a few more short days, Christian, in a moment's notice, we're going to be face-to-face, yes, in heaven, but face-to-face with the one who's in charge of the place. And we're going to answer to him for what we've done in this body since we've been saved. I want to see you get used by God with the right priorities, taking the right advice, getting the right help. You can still be used by God no matter where you found yourself tonight. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer.